0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church podcast. Now let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together.
1: Well, last week we started a a, a little series that we're calling the Five One Things, and um, the the week before that we we did a um, we had a. Uh, talk, we had a sermon on uh, my one word. So we challenged everybody to uh, pick a word for this year uh, that you would want to make kind of a theme for your year to how, how God might transform you uh, more greatly into his image. My word was gratitude. How do I live with gratitude? How do I live in a way that's grateful for all that the Lord's done for me uh, in my life? And so we encouraged everybody to pick a word. And then we kind of started on this theme of uh, uh, that the five one things that there are five places in the scripture that talk about one thing uh last week it was one thing i do and this week it's one thing you lack and i don't know about you but I, i i tend to do better when i can sort of narrow things down to one thing i need to do today uh, one thing that I need to remember, one thing that I need to accomplish, it's when my list gets too big, one of two things happen, I start forgetting things, or I sort of pick the ones that I like the best and I'll focus on those and, and leave the hard stuff um, you know, for later or never. Um, So we've been talking about, we started last week talking about five one things, those five things in scripture that we are called to do, Uh, and so this morning we're going to continue that with this one thing that you lack. Now if you remember last week we started with words from the Apostle Paul from Philippians 3, Uh, let me just read them again, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, we looked at those words and, and part of the key to it was uh, that the Apostle Paul says that, I, that in spite of everything in my life, the good news and the bad news, I forget what lies behind and I press forward to what God has for me. Uh, I'm looking, always looking forward to how God is changing me, God is transforming me, what God is doing. And, and we talked about this idea that we learn from our past but we don't live in our past that God is always doing something new. He's doing something different. He's calling us forward. He's calling us to greater growth. He's calling us to transformation. And and so the Apostle Paul reminds us uh, of that, and he says to strain forward, to press forward for the goal, which is Christ Jesus. Uh, Then we looked at this, and and we also looked before that, what were the words, what what set that up? What motivated Paul to to say those words? And and he says this in in, uh, Philippians 3, starting at verse seven, it says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I'm going to stop there for a second because the apostle Paul, he's saying, look, all of the accomplishments in my life, my reputation, all the things that I've done, the power that I have, the wealth that I have, the education that I have, all of those things, I count as garbage, I count as garbage for the surpassing knowledge of Jesus because of who Jesus is. I've given all of those things. I forgot what lies in the past, and I press for it because Jesus is worth that. He's worth everything uh, in, in my life to gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The Apostle Paul says, I give everything up for the sake of knowing Jesus, for the sake of experiencing him, for the sake of having the, the power of the resurrection of Jesus that, that lives in me, that's transforming me, that's changing me every day. I count everything as lost compared to that. Now we're gonna look at a little bit of a contrast to that this morning, and, and I hope that before we're done uh, that this, these verses in, in, in the third chapter of Philippians will sort of tie all of it together, but we're, we're gonna look at a famous story in the New Testament. Before we do, I want to ask you a question. Um, so, so you're going to have to work a little with me on this, okay? Seriously, I mean, I know you're in church, and you're just thinking, okay, I'm going to sit here and let Larry yeah, nah, 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 speak to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you just to work for a second, all right? Um, imagine, just for a minute, that you're walking down the street, and you turn the corner, and you see Jesus and his disciples coming toward you. You got that? You with me? Work with me. You see Jesus and his disciples coming toward you and something somehow you realize that you only have time to ask him one question. That Jesus and his disciples are coming toward you that you get to ask him one question. What would you ask him? I know it hurts, but think for just a second. What would you ask him? What's that one question? maybe some of you would ask, are you real? Are you really real? Can I really trust you? What's this, is, is eternal life really something? What is it that you would ask him? Why, why, do good, why do bad things happen to good people? What's the one question that sort of burns in you that if you had one shot, one question that, that you would want to ask him? What is it about this whole Bitcoin thing? Is that really for real? I don't know, maybe not that one. But some question that you would want to ask him. What would it be? You know, if, if you take a second and think about it, it really tells you a little bit about what's in your heart, right? What's going on in, in your mind. What's that one question? Well, we have that in this story in the Gospel of Mark in the 10th chapter, and it's such an important story that it's mentioned, it's told in three out of the four Gospels. It's, it's told in Matthew and Luke, and we're gonna read it out of the Gospel of Mark. But it's the story that most of you have sometime probably would have heard of called the rich young ruler. Only in the Gospel of Mark, it doesn't say rich young ruler. It Talks about a, a man uh, but we get, little, we get little extra pieces of the story from Matthew and Luke where we pick up this whole idea of you, if you read all three accounts, you, you get the, the, the understanding of why we would call him the rich young ruler. But let's look at the story out of the Gospel of Mark. It says this, And as he was setting out on his journey, referring to Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was his one question. He sees Jesus and his disciples coming, he's got a chance to ask him one question, is what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that really interesting because if you read all of the accounts or you find out, let's just look at the story a little bit more. Uh, And it says that Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. So here we have this young man that, that in fact, Matthew tells us he was young. Uh, Luke calls him a ruler. So we get the rich young ruler. All three accounts make sure that we understand that he's rich. Luke says he's extremely rich. Matthew and Mark say, say that he had lots of resources. He, was, he had great means. Um, and so they want us to understand the, the, this idea that we have this young man who is a ruler. That probably means he's part of the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling council uh, in in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, They they were essentially the folks that that led the Jewish people. They, They were the Supreme Court. They were all of those things. They were the Congress for the Jewish people. They made all of the major decisions and proclamations, and he was part of that. So we have this young man, who not only does he have position and power and wealth um, but he's kept these commandments that he's lived a moral life. If you just looked at him on the outside, you would say he has it all together. He's a guy you want to hang out with. He's somebody that people want to be like. People admire him. And yet here we have the story of this, this young man, and it says that he comes, and he kneels down in front of Jesus, and he asks him this question, and he begins with good teacher Now, Jesus turns the tables on him and says, why would you call me good? No one is good except God. So what's the message here? If you read the Old Testament, you find out that that when you call somebody good, you only, in the Old Testament, they only use that word to refer to God. You didn't use that word to refer to a regular person. And, And so Jesus is saying, are you calling me God? Why, why are you referring me to this? And, and there are a couple of theories that, that maybe, maybe he is trying to acknowledge Jesus as God, but, but maybe he's saying, you know, you're the good teacher, but I'm also a good teacher, so good teacher to good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But, but here's what it looks like to me. You take this young man who on the surface has everything going for him, right? He's got it all together, but there's something on the inside of him There's something that just sort of gnaws at him that I don't know, I don't know if I have the most important thing in my life. I don't know if I have eternal life. I don't know if at the end of the day, all of this other stuff that I've done is gonna really matter. I need to know. I need to know the answer to this question. What must I do to, e- to inherit eternal life? Because on the outside, I look really good. On the outside, nobody would think that I'm lacking in anything, but I feel something on the inside that says, I'm not sure what the answer is to that question. I don't feel like it's done for me. And so he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And then Jesus gives him some of the Ten Commandments, do these things, and he says, well, I've done all of those since I was a kid. I've done all of that. And then we get to verse 21. And I love verse 21, because here's what it says. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. There it is. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. Be freed up of everything and come and follow me. That's the prescription that Jesus gave him. He said, I've followed all the rules. I've done everything that you've said. I, I've, I've, been, I've been a model Jew. I, I'm a leader in the Jewish community. I know all the scripture. I know all the stuff. It, it, again, if you looked at him, you would think, uh, you know, he's, he's really got it together. And he asked Jesus, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you lack something in your life. What is it that he lacked? What, what is it that was missing Uh, But Jesus says, go and sell all that you have and look what happens. Verse 22 says, disheartened by the saying. That that, that could be translated, his face fell. His head dropped. He was a little devastated. And, And it says that disheartened, his face fell by what Jesus said and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Wow. He had great possessions. There was something in his life. Here's, here's what it is. Jesus asked to uh, name the Ten Commandments, but Jesus skipped the first one. The first one is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And what was exposed with this young man is that he had a God for himself. He had a God in his life that was more important to him, that was bigger to him than following Jesus. He had something in his life that was so important, in his case his wealth, that mattered to him more than following Jesus and when he was faced with that reality, when he was faced with that choice, he hung his head and he walked away. Now, if we're looking at verse 21 again, we get this picture of Jesus that's really powerful. It says Jesus looking at him. Jesus looked at him. That Jesus, when he looks at us, he really sees us. Have you you ever had that experience of, you know, you looked at somebody but you didn't really see them, you didn't really notice? Jen and I have this, this ongoing thing where she's always saying to me, look at that person. Don't they look exactly, couldn't they be somebody else's brother? And after all these years, I feel pretty much just obligated to say no, no. Nah. They don't look anything like them. No, there's nothing there, no. You, got, you gotta look closer, look better, because they don't, they don't remind me at all. Of, and I don't know why. I mean, even if they did, I just sort of feel obligated to say no, I don't know. But, but it's about how, how, are we, how do we look at people And here's what scholars would tell us, that when Jesus looked at this young man, it's like his soul opened up and Jesus could see inside. He could see everything. And the reality in our lives is that when Jesus looks at us, it's like our soul opens up and he can see everything. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. He knows our words. He knows the words that you say out loud and the ones you don't say out loud. He knows all of that. And here's what the picture that we have of this young man is that Jesus looked at him. Jesus saw everything. Jesus saw his his thoughts, his actions. He saw everything about him and he loved him. And I think one of the things that hangs us up in our lives is this, this feeling, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we ever say it or not, that if Jesus really could see me, if Jesus really looked into my heart, would he still love me? If Jesus really knew all the things that I'm thinking and that I'm saying and that that I'm wondering about, if Jesus knew all of that, if he could look and see all of that, would he still love me? And what Jesus is telling us in this story is yes. He already can see all those things. He's already looked at you. He knows your heart. He knows your words. He knows what you think and what you say and what you do and what you don't do. And he loves you. It's a profound love. Think about the fact that here's a young man who walks away from Jesus and Jesus is still gonna go to the cross for him. He knows our thoughts and he knows our actions, but he still went to the cross for us. He still loves us because that's who he is. And part of the reason this is so hard for us, I think, is because we don't love people that way right? If you hurt me, if you betray me, if you do something to me, I'm going to create some space. I'm going to protect myself. And Jesus says, when I love somebody, I open myself up to pain. I open myself up to death. I open myself up to the cross because that's what my love is. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to receive that love that Jesus offers because we know that we don't know how to give it. We don't know how to live that way. But that's Jesus. That's why we love him. That's why we follow him, because he loves us that way. That's who he is, not who we are. Hebrews 4.13 says this, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to, to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And my heart needs to know this. My heart needs to be reminded that Jesus sees me And he opens my heart and he sees everything and he loves me in spite of me. He loves me because he is love. Because of who he is, not because of what I am. So what did this young man lack? Uh, You could pick a word. There's probably several words that you could use. The first word that came to my mind was surrender. What did he lack? He lacked the willingness to surrender everything to Christ. Uh, maybe he lacked the humility to surrender everything to Christ, that there was something in his life that was more important. Before we judge him too harshly, though, let's take a second and think about our own lives, and, and if we really, and if the Lord opened our soul this morning, would there be something in us that, that would cause us if Jesus said, give me this, and you'll have treasure in heaven and follow me, would there be something in my life, something in your life, that would cause you to hang your head and walk away from Jesus? Is there something that you've elevated above Christ in your life? He says, thou shalt serve no other gods before me. Is there something else that's become a God in our lives that's taken the place of Jesus? That, would, that we don't want to give up, we can't give up, we don't know how to give up, but it's taken his place. That's the question, right? That's one thing you lack. Like. It's not necessarily about wealth. It's just that wealth seems to come up a lot in the Bible because it's maybe the, the hardest thing for most people to let go of. It, it's maybe the thing that we chase the hardest and, and the thing that we wanna cling to the most. But it, it can be your reputation, it can be a position, it can be a relationship or the hope of a relationship. It can be all kinds of, of things, a position, anything, that takes the place of God in your life, that, that goes above God. In your life. And, and I think periodically we need to allow Christ to look at us, to be reminded that he loves us, but also that, that he wants to be first in our lives, uh, that, that he wants to be the most important thing in, in our lives. So we, um, we all need to consider that. We all need to do something about that. Uh, there's a great little modern parable. You know what that is? Modern parable? So that's a made-up story that's modern, not in the Bible, so don't start looking for it in your concordance, okay? Don't start flipping through, where, where, okay, where was that? Where did the, Pastor Larry get that story? And, and it's a parable, so that means somebody made it up, okay? So I'm just telling you now, um, but there's a great modern parable about this father and daughter, and the story goes that every night, the father would go into his daughter's room, and he would uh, he, he would. Uh, they had a little ritual, and he would say, "I love you, honey," and she'd say, "I love you, daddy." And he would kiss her, and they'd sing, do pray, whatever they did, and and then he would leave. and And so one night, uh, he said, "I love you, honey," and she said, "I love you, daddy." And he said, "You know, if you really love me, you'd give me that necklace." And she had this little plastic necklace that she had bought, and it just all of a sudden became she, you know, became you know sort of permanently attached to her, and she didn't, she loved that thing, and she didn't want to give it up, and it was just this cheap little plastic necklace, but she loved it, and and she's wearing it, and her dad says, if you really love me, you give me that little necklace, And, and she grabs it and says, no, daddy, it's my necklace, and he says, it's okay, it's all right, and he leaves, and the next night comes in, and they have their little ritual, and she says, I love you, daddy, and he says, she says, well, he says, well, if you, if you really love me, you give me that necklace. And daddy, no, and she grabs her necklace. And, and this sort of goes on till one night he walks into the room and before he can say anything, she, she holds out this necklace for him and she's got, well, tears in her little eyes. And, and she says, here, daddy, I love you. Here's the necklace. And he pulls out a box from his pocket and he opens it up and there are authentic pearls, priceless necklace. He said, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to give up those plastic pearls so I can give you the real thing. I've been waiting for you to trust me enough to to take that off so I can give you something of infinitely more value to have. And see, here's the story for us is that we have things in our lives. We have these little plastic necklaces that we wear and and we protect and we guard them and we think they're the greatest thing in the world and and we don't know what we would do without them. And Jesus is saying, if you would just let go of that, if you would just trust me, I have something of infinite value that I want to give you, but I can't give it to you until you're willing to trust me with what you have, until you're willing to take that off. And we feel this contentment or this whatever it is for, for what doesn't really hold value, and Christ is offering us something of infinite value, and he's saying, well, you trust me enough to take off that old so that I can give you something that's priceless, that I can give you something you could never get uh, on your own. And that's the, the message that Jesus has. Well, the, the disciples you know, they're, 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 going, they're going crazy on this because they, they can't believe what Jesus is doing. It says in verse 23, and Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. They were stunned at what he was saying because they're looking at this young man and they're saying, we're starting this movement, Jesus. You don't get it. We're starting this church. We're starting this big organization. We're gonna take over the world and this guy could help us. He has the reputation. He has the finances. He's got all of these things that could, He could. if he spoke up, we, you know, we'd have credibility in the community. Jesus, why would you let him walk away? Why would you do do that they're amazed at what Jesus is saying they're amazed at the saying that it's really difficult for someone of wealth to enter the kingdom of God because they they would like to be wealthy they'd like to have more stuff and they were amazed at his words but Jesus said to them children I love that he's talking to the disciples he says kids pay attention to this all right you're you're you are chronologically adults but you are acting like children you're thinking like children. He says, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? That's their one question. If he can't be saved, who can be saved? Who can actually, who could ever make it? Who could ever do this? Verse 27, and Jesus looked at them. He looked into their souls and he said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. You can't do anything to get there that you you can't do anything to earn your way into the kingdom, to earn your way to eternal life, that it only comes through Jesus. It doesn't come from what you've accumulated. It doesn't come from your wealth or your reputation or your power. It only comes through knowing Christ. It only comes when we surrender our lives to him and then we experience eternal life. Then we experience all that Christ has promised us. Then we can find, we can experience that gift that that has infinite worth, infinite value. That's what he offers us. And here's the truth, in all of our lives, there, there's a tendency to have things. There, there's a tendency to have things that, that, that we elevate above God, that, that we put over God in our lives. There's a tendency for us to try, to, 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 try to, 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 to allow things, even if we're not aware of it, that we allow things to, to take his place in our lives. And, and, and they, they're not horrible things necessarily. They're just things that aren't him. And nothing is of value before him. I had this great, uh, found this great quote this week by a, a, a writer that said this, that uh, God... Uh, Christ isn't against your stuff, your things. Here's what he says God declines to sit on an occupational flow chart. There are no partial gods, no honorary gods, no interim gods, no assistance to the regional gods. There's just God. And he is in control. He is the God of our lives, he's the Lord of our lives. But, but we find these things, and, and here, here's what I've discovered in my life that I'm like an onion. Seriously. Uh, that I peel one layer away that I discover, okay, Lord, okay, I get it that I've elevated this and and I want to give it to you and I peel one one layer away. But you know, if you ever peeled an onion, do you know what you find when you peel a layer off? That there's another layer under it. And so I realize, oh, wow, I guess I'm not done yet. And I peel another layer off uh, and I find there's still a layer under it. And really discipleship growing in Christ, being transformed is that we allow the Lord to strip layer after layer after layer after layer. And you know what happens if you strip all the layers off an onion? You don't have anything left but a bunch of onion peels around you, right? That, that, that there's nothing left and that's the point that, that we want to get to in our lives because when, when the Lord finally strips all of those layers off of my life, then it's gonna be just Jesus. Just Jesus in my life. no, no, nothing else. I won't need anything else. I won't be hungering for anything else. I won't be striving for anything else. But it's just Jesus. And the goal of our lives is to allow him to continue to strip those layers out of our lives so that someday we find ourselves at that point where it's just about Jesus. It's just Jesus in our hearts, Jesus in our lives. And so what Christ says to the disciples is it's easier, for, um, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to, um, to uh, get the kingdom of God. And I have a picture for you. Um, that actually um, is a camel, in case you didn't notice, or maybe you've been living on Mars or something. But that's a, that's a camel. And camels were the largest animals in this region of the world in the first century in Palestine. And the the camels would typically be about six feet from shoulder to ground and could weigh as much as 1,300 pounds. And so if you're living in the first century and you see a camel, that's the biggest animal that you've ever seen or you will ever see in your life. That's the biggest thing there is. And, And then Jesus says, and and it's easier, and I brought this for you this morning. This is a, need, a sewing needle. You, can, you see this? It's easy to see, right? So Jesus is saying, hey, wise guy, try to slip a camel through that. Okay, there's a, there's a piece of thread there. I didn't actually do that. I'm not sure I could. But uh, he said, try to put a camel through that. It would be easier to do that than to get eternal life on your own. It would be easier to do that than to, to earn your way to heaven. It would be easier to do that than to find your own salvation, to earn your own salvation. And now, there's all kinds of stories about, you know, camels and needles and stuff, but this is what Jesus was going for in the story. He took the biggest animal that any of them had ever heard of or ever seen, and, and then he said, now I want you to look at a sewing needle and try to get that camel through that. And what the, the point was, that it's impossible. It's impossible for us, but all things are possible through Christ. That, that he looks at us and he knows us. That he, he looks at our lives and he sees us, he sees what we've said, he sees what we've thought, all of those things that we've talked about. And still, he loves us but he challenges us because those things creep into our lives that take the place of him. And, and again, maybe it's your family. Maybe, I mean, it, 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 maybe it's anything that has taken his place in our lives and he's saying, I want you to trust me with it. I, I want you to, to, to trust me so much that you would trust me with your family, that you would trust me with your future, uh, that you, you would tr- trust me with your work, with your wealth, whatever it is. And he's not anti-wealth. It's just that wealth is one of the, the things that's most prevalent, that gets in the way the most often that, that we seem to be the most hung up about. But it can be anything in your life that, that, that becomes a God in your life and ranks above the God who created us, the God who loves us. And it gets in the way of what God wants to do in your heart. So this morning... This morning, what we'd like to think about, what I'd like you to consider, is that here's the the truth, that that Jesus has already looked at you. He already knows. So if you're feeling like, oh, you know what? If he he knew what I think, if he knew what I've thought, if he knew what I've done, I got a hot tip for you. He already does. He already knows. He's already looked. And he still loves you. He loves you in spite of those things. His love is bigger than those things. So what he's called us to do is not to worry about if he knew this about me, would he love me? Because he already knows. What what matters this morning is, are we willing to embrace his love? Are we willing to receive his love? Are we willing to acknowledge the fact that he loves me in spite of me, not because of what I do, whether it's good or bad, but he loves me because he is love. He gave himself for me. And that he calls me then to evaluate, to look at my life and to see if there's anything that I've elevated above him. And if I have, he wants that back. He wants his place in our lives because that's where real life is found. We talked about this, he said, Paul said to know him and the power of his resurrection. And and we talked about this last week that, that part of the power of resurrection is to know that we'll spend eternity with Christ. But the other part of that is that when you know Christ, eternity's already started. E- eternity's already started in your heart and your life. That, that we've begun eternity with him when we know Christ. And he started that process of transforming us. So the question is this morning, will you trust him with whatever it is in your life that, you, that you're holding on to, with whatever it is in your life that you've elevated above him? Would you be willing to trust him with that? Or uh, Have you been holding on to that little plastic necklace for so long that you're just not sure how to let go of it? Jesus is saying, if you'll trust me with that, I will, give you, I will give you more than you ever imagined. I give you eternal life that starts now, that grows in your life and makes your life more than you could ever, ever dream. We trust him this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for how you use it in our lives, how you speak to us. Uh, so, Lord, I ask this morning that, that you, you've already looked at us, Lord, you know. And, and so if we could just be honest and say, Lord, thank you that, that you know me, you've looked at me and you still love me and I am grateful I received that love. I thank you for that love. Uh, Lord, and whatever is my life that I've elevated above you, I want to give it away. I want to give it back to you so that I can follow you, Lord. And that's what we want our lives to look like, to be followers of Jesus, to be wholeheartedly following you, holding nothing back, hanging on to nothing in our lives, Lord, but trusting you with everything. So we love you, we thank you, we give that all to you in Jesus' name, amen.
0: In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor.
1: To start this morning, we uh, read a little bit from the Apostle Paul. I want to reread this real quickly before we leave today. The Apostle Paul, if you read in Philippians 3, talks. he gives his resume. He says, I was a Jew of Jews. Uh, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a student of the law. I obeyed the law better than anybody else. I was zealous uh, for my people and I was zealous for the law and he gives all these things he said I even persecuted those Christians that were getting in the way of everything I I I did all of that and and yet then he gets to after his resume who he was young and powerful and influential and he says but whatever gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ that Here is Paul, and he's kind of a mirror image of this rich young ruler that we read about in Mark 10, and yet he made a very different decision that he gave everything up to follow Christ for the surpassing knowledge of Jesus. To be a follower of him, he left everything that he had known, everything that he had, including his reputation and his influence in the community to follow Jesus. And you don't have to read very far in the New Testament to see how God used him, what God did with his life that was more than he could have ever imagined. A very, very similar story, but a very different outcome. And the Lord is calling us to make that decision. It's the same story, but the outcome depends on our response to Christ's love for us and what he's done for us. Uh, We have our prayer partners uh, they'll be on the side. And if you'd like prayer this morning, I encourage you to stop by and and uh, pray with them. And then also um, the prayer table, you write your prayer request down. If you're visiting this morning and... Uh please take advantage of that. We love praying over those prayer requests. And, and uh, we mentioned the last couple of weeks that if, if the Lord's answered a prayer, we like to hear about it. And I appreciate all you guys have done that. We were thanking the Lord less last Monday for all of the answered prayer. And it's really fun to, to see that and, and to get to be part of that. So take advantage of, of those opportunities for prayer as well. And, and here's, here's my prayer for us, is that, that we will be struck with the fact that Jesus already knows us, that he's looked in our soul and he still loves us. And that he has called us to leave everything behind to follow him and he is worthy of our trust, he's worthy of our life, he's worthy of all that we have. And if we take everything else and strip it away in our lives and we have Jesus, we have everything. I love you guys, I hope you have a great day. God bless.